Glocal, podcast on locally incubated global technology powerhouses. Having had so many investor discussions and debates around that market size, like if I would give you a number, that number doesn't say anything, honestly. So there's not an easy way to identify uh, the market size of global mobility. The one thing that is for sure is that if you look at the numbers of talent relocation or people relocating, then the highest growth has been among highly skilled people in the previous 10 years. By 2030, basically, talent shortage will cost. Uh, globally, countries and companies, $8.5 trillion. My board member and uh, our par- partner uh, from Union Square Ventures, our investor, said, well, that this is your market size. <laughs> so basically, basically, that's the closest thing I can give you. But uh, there's a huge issue because countries are fighting for the same talent because there is a shortage of talent. While this shortage of talent is growing further and further, there are other trends that increase the size of the opportunity for Jobatical, like remote work, outsourcing, and launching overseas offices. This is your host, Enes. We have a very special guest with us today. Karoli is the founder of Jobatical, the immigration and relocation services company. Initially started as an international hiring platform, Jobatical focused on providing immigration and relocation services to large companies. This will be an $8 trillion market by 2030, and Carly is very passionate on future of work and creating a borderless world. She tells us the reasons for her pivot, the locations where most people are moving away from, and how she's trying to rethink the evolution of the artificial foundations that we've built as a society. You'll like this one. Hello, Carly. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you, Enis, for having me here. And um, where are you right now? I'm currently in Tallinn, Estonia, in our headquarter. Yeah. Nice, nice. I've never been over there. I mean, I should come. I know the startup ecosystem there is amazing. Oh, you should definitely come. I think, uh, like my um, American colleague uh, likes to say, that uh, Estonia has spoiled me <laughs> because things work, everything is easy, and you know, so you should come. So he moved there. Previously, he was living in the US, and then he moved from US to Estonia. Yes, yeah. A lot of our team has uh, relocated. They have circled the globe to join us. So I have. Uh, I'm very privileged. Yeah, that, that's going to be one of my questions. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you have. I mean, your team is spread across three continents, and how to manage that um, should be a headache. Let's kick it off with Jobartico. Can you please tell us uh, what the product currently does? Uh, what are you specifically focused yes. on? So um, basically, what Jobartico does, uh, we like to say we make immigration smart. So what we do is uh, we have built software and platform where um, a company who is hiring international people will bring their people and we will do the magic and the people will be in their office. So basically we are making a, a full relocation experience um, very seamless by combining together uh, technology and humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's where we are. But we started from a little bit different place. Yeah, so you it, were it doing, was an evolution to get there. Yeah, you were doing hiring back then, um, yeah. but then you switched from hiring to yeah. immigration. Why did you do that switch? Yeah, we actually didn't switch, but it was that, um, you know, I started, so the whole concept and the idea of Chabatical for me started, I started to think about it when I was actually in Singularity University in Mountain View, California. The idea started well, when, during my morning runs uh, from the NASA base where I was living that summer and passing Google campus and thinking about all those inspiring companies around me there. And I was thinking, why is this region of the world so successfully 
building companies that change industries like proportionally just so much more innovation comes from here and and my you know thought process took me to the realization and then research that it's actually not the people that are smarter there it's the smart people move there so my question that i started to ask is that how could we get the smart people to discover the far-flung cities of the world, such as Tallinn, Estonia? Um, so instead of coming to take pictures of the uh, medieval old town and then leaving, what if smart people would come and actually work there, which would basically help to distribute knowledge to the far-flung cities of the world? So my thesis was that what we have to do in order for that to happen is to collect people, I say borderless people, people who are ready to move and uh, introduce them to teams and locations that they might not think of as career destinations. So inspiring teams and locations that they had never thought that they could actually uh, have their career in. So that's what we started to do. But in order to actually, when you, uh, you do the, we built a lot of intelligence around the matching, identifying the right people for you as an employer and so on, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, we had to bring those people to those locations, right? Yeah. So we started, in order to do that, we had to figure out how immigration works. And we did that. We started to help with immigration and relocation. Literally what happened was that clients started to come back and say that, okay, we can do the hiring part ourselves, but could you just do that because you're so good at it? <laughs> could you just do that for us? We did relocation. We have more people from, I think now it's 54 countries to 37 countries. Mm -hmm. But what kind of immigration services are they? What, what kind of immigration? Basically, we do. We are focusing on the highly skilled uh, specialists, and we do immigration, meaning that literally the human comes, like the company brings us the human. We take over from there, and from the fact that we are, we have automated the form filling. Like you need to fill forms. A lot of human mistakes are done there. We are, we have automated that. So what we take is, mm -hmm. we take all the data, passport copy, your your all the different data points that we need in order to put together those forms. We take it from you. We have automated. So basically, which means that a process that took a human like two and a half hours now takes three seconds, right? Uh, and we then uh, human then checks it. Yeah. So we do from that part to the fact that appointments with uh, embassies, to the fact that we are actually applying the uh, work permits or residence permits, however it is called in different countries, it's different uh, names, mm -hmm. and to the fact that we have settling support, meaning that somebody will greet the person at the airport, help to find a doctor and so on and so forth. So a lot of that, so basically what we have been doing is that a lot of that has been done by humans and we are now eliminating the humans from this. So we can talk about that uh, a bit more, but mm -hmm. basically, to the extent of right now we are negotiating already, fingers crossed, we just had a very positive meeting with a, with one of the governments today. Uh, so basically having an... Inter Which government? Uh, Is it Turkey? Uh, I'm not I can't answer right now. Uh, I will let you know when it's uh, done. But right. uh, basically that uh, integration with the government system so that basically even that information we can push to the system uh, without automatically. yeah automatically right so it started from hiring platform because that was my thesis that we need to move people or or how to move uh, people in order to move that move people we need to introduce them and find good ways to identify who fits whom right but then mm -hmm. when starting to do that we actually realized that the biggest problem in that conversation is actually immigration and settling and if we solve that 
then we can actually have a much bigger impact. Yeah. Product market fit was very clear, uh, but that also impact in terms of just how many people can of move. Course, Basically, course. it was a very easy decision, but it's just a big change. I mean, we actually gave up uh, yeah. part of the, in a way, like I gave up my baby, so to say. You know, I started to do something and then I had to give it up. <laughs> that was the hard part, uh, letting go. But uh, it was, in a way, yeah. getting to the decision was easy because it was just based on data. Like there was no question, I mean, Literally, our biggest uh, client, I remember, uh, when we announced the change, then we heard uh, from our biggest client who we are doing relocation and immigration in several different countries, gave us, uh, came back with an email saying, this is the best news ever, <laughs> right? You know, you see that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's amazing product market exactly, right. So that's, that's, why, that's why we that's did it. That's amazing product, I mean. Exactly. And I think this is like, I think, you know, we, we talk about, uh, you know, startup journeys and, and one of the things that has been often said is, you know, you have to be a pill versus vitamin. And I, I think what one of the big things that we realized that with, um, of those two things that we were doing, first of all, we shouldn't be doing two things, but of those two things we were doing, one was a vitamin and the other, so you can survive without our hiring, but you are really in pain if we are not there for you for the immigration uh, relocation part. So, yeah. so, and that's a good position to have that's amazing product market fit once you get an email like that from one of your customers and the fact that the initial point of why you start the business is the talent network effect in silicon valley meaning why um, talented people want to deal with other talented people so everyone silicon valley becomes like a magnet for people Mm -hmm. um, and and attracts them there but given all the different negative circumstances over there um, especially financial and housing and the situation in the city, people have been moving out um, for a while now. So I think there's going to be uh, even much more room to grow, especially in the Bay Area for you guys, because I see a big Bay Area exodus happening. Because we did build a community, almost half a million people, right, with our uh, talent platform. And guess what was the number one country uh, where people are, were coming from in order to move away? What do you think? I would say U.S. Once you once you frame it like that, I want to say U.S. It's exactly U.S. And isn't that just? And I think that's one of the examples when I'm doing my you know giving speeches about mobility and the user experience of a country. I think it's such an. I mean, this is the country that has been the magnet past century, right? For for smart people uh, to move, and suddenly you see complete reverse. It's very. I'm very curious to see what will be the countries where people want to move in 10 years, for example, like what will be the landscape then? And um, let's take TransferWise. When I go to your website, um, there's a case study on TransferWise where you did 51 relocations with a 100% success rate and you saved 255 um, hours of work. So first of all, if you, did a, if you had a 100% success rate, what's an unsuccessful relocation like? Mm-hmm. And the second question is, how do you count those work hours? So in terms of a successful, meaning that there's still a possibility, you can ma- have mistakes in the way you apply for the uh, residency or visas and you are rejected. So in the, we have never been rejected. So that's the, like, basically that's a quality mark in that industry. In terms of uh, specific counting the hours, to be honest, I have to double check with my team. I don't know exactly, but I know that they did a lot of work uh, figuring that out. And I know that for TransferWise, I think the numbers now have been since we have been past month and two we have been relocating quite a big number of people then I think we should also update the number there but uh, this was something that uh, my team worked together with their team in order to identify what was there basically how much time did they spend if they would have done that work internally what would have been the time they would have spent on this yeah and then the same thing like I mean if you look at Verif which is another uh, it's a very fast growth company earlier much earlier stage than uh, TransferWise but they grew 17 times 
over the past year, 17 times. And they, their message, yeah, so their message, basically, they told us the same. They even put us in the press release that we were able to do it thanks to Jabatical. And that's the funny thing, like, this is the product market fit because, like, we were doing hiring for companies, right? But very came to us and said, we were able to hire more people because you did immigration and uh, relocation for us. So it's, mm. so basically that was how easy it was to identify this is where, what we should be only focused yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You raised money for um, hiring, for hiring purposes with your mm. initial product. You moved away and you saw amazing product market fit. Um, can you please tell us where you stand right now? Um, this can be in terms of traction, number of relocations per month. Um, this can be revenue, customer count, growth, anything that you can disclose. Yeah. Yes. So basically, in terms of how many relocations per month, I think we're right now approximately 100, a little bit more relocations per month, but it's growing monthly. Uh, um, so we just basically uh, from one quarter to another, we grew, I think it was 85%. We are expanding operations. We just actually opened in Germany, like internal operations in, in Germany and Spain. Basically, now, now we, are, we, are, we are in this phase where we are uh, expanding operations and uh, adapting the product to new markets very fast. So those numbers will be changing. Uh, but this is uh, where we are in terms of clients that we're mm-hmm. working with. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I would assume right now we have approximately 70, 80, uh, and we are focusing on like companies like Tweedy or TransferWise. So mm-hmm. around 70, 80 uh, companies that we are relocation and immigration, or basically relocation partner, uh, and who are constantly every month relocating people. Uh, and again, like as we are expanding operations right now, and we are also first time, because before July, we had done zero marketing for our uh, global mobility. It was only word of mouth. So, so we had like uh, 18 months uh, since we started to, to even experiment with global mobility. Uh, we had 18 months average growth month on month was 20%, just purely word of mouth. So now those numbers, again, like as we are, Putting full focus, all our growth efforts are also going there. Then, um, in a very interesting phase right now, after identifying our product market fit. Yeah, and you said that you just opened an office in Germany. And when I um, look into your website, I see like a really remote team across three different continents, and there are a bunch of open roles in a variety of countries. What are some of the disadvantages and advantages of having like a multiple office structure? And how do you compare different regions from a talent perspective, having all this data? The offices that are opening right now uh, is, is slightly different from what, like, if you look at our headquarters, then we have literally our first hire was from Argentina. So we have been hiring globally from day one and we have people from over like 20 countries, like never in our hiring were we thinking like, okay, you should be first in Estonia. We always hired for the best person. So in like, if you look at the headquarters, then we have a very international team. Whereas that right now in, in the new locations, we are expanding operations, which means we are hiring local people, somebody who's uh, uh, leading growth, somebody team of immigration, basically somebody's leading and their delivery team. So it's slightly different than what we have been doing thus far. If you understand mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it understood, if it answered your question, I think what is important and that's also relevant to the area that we are navigating is that you definitely see countries which have better user experience. And I must say, Estonia has amazing user experience, just basically getting in, like we can relocate somebody uh, here. So if you're from visa free country, we can get a work permit uh, uh, for you to start working within two days. Wow. So if you're from visa country, it will take two weeks. 
other countries, you know, this can vary. I would not open a, an office in Greece, for example. If you look <laughs> at the Greece immigration, that like is it, it that it, bad? Could actually, it's it's so bad that literally I should be like you could do a short movie about it. <laughs> it is just so unfriendly, and and that's I think also reflected from what you are seeing in the tech scene in Greece, right? Country by country, it very much uh, changes a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah. So how how the local how I mean hiring is in terms of local people how firing is for local people but also in terms of like how immigration actually works because if it doesn't work then uh, you will not start your or you have less reasons to actually start your business from there i used to be a only turkish citizen so living in anywhere like greece or estonia was pretty much tough for me but i became a spanish citizen mm -hmm. three years ago i guess yeah it's been three years now mm. so if i ever decide to move to estonia which i might i'll just ping you mm -hmm. i see that like um, for some companies becoming global does not provide much value to the end customer um, like a good B2C example for that would be Uber, right? I mean, the fact that Uber launched in Turkey has zero value to an Uber customer in the US. Um, in fact, it has negative value because then Uber is actually putting more resources internationally, which means a worst customer experience in the local market. Mm -hmm. But other models like Airbnb, for an example, provides much bigger value because you rent a house in Japan, you then go and rent a house in Barcelona. Um, you can be Turkish, you can be Estonian. So being global actually provides value because the nature of the transaction is also global mm -hmm. and job jobatical also definitely fits that category where i'm as you grow the number of countries that you can service mm. the network effect goes exponentially high and you can lock in more customers because i can i can see that how um, different companies are hiring in 20 or like relocating their employees in 20 30 different countries um so how many different countries have you operated so far and how tough is it mm -hmm. to manage such mm -hmm. a global operation, yeah. especially after you reach mm -hmm. more than 100 countries? It should be pretty tough. Yes. So a few, few things. What I want to say, there's also one element uh, of the benefits that uh, you didn't mention, which is actually an interesting one, is that if you think about Chibatica, we, we, we take, let's say you, we are relocating you. So we get all mm -hmm. the data about you. In where, where, wait, wait, wait. Where are you taking me? So uh, let's, let's start, let's, let's, let me explain one thing and then I will go over to that. Uh, let's, okay, let me, let me, uh, let's say that we are going to relocate you uh, to Germany or we're going to relocate you to Malaysia, uh, right? So we take that. Malaysia, Malaysia. Yeah, you want to go to Malaysia. to Malaysia? Okay, we can go to Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we take the information about, you know, your, all the information about your, you know, passport, your, education so we have all that information and now if you are giving us permission to keep that information the next time when we have to relocate you to Japan you don't have to do anything we have everything we maybe have like the system will ask some extra questions mm -hmm. about the time between but we have all the information from you so imagine how easy relocation becomes if you don't have to do those hurdles again several times every time you start to change the location of your mm -hmm. uh, so so I think that's also why the the more international yeah. we go the, the easier relocation becomes because you can literally move anywhere it will be made simple um, in terms of operations, so basically, uh, we have how we have worked thus far, and again, like uh, we have shifted now since we are much more with the immigration, we, we have much more local operations. So, with hiring, it was more different because we actually had two offices Singapore and Estonia. The rest of it we managed from this, the distance, which means that you know we 
worked with uh, companies in almost like 40 countries, but it doesn't mean that we had 40 operations in each country, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, whereas now what we, uh, with the uh, global mobility, we need to have a local team in order to uh, provide the delivery and basically to feed the product uh, so that we can adapt the product to the local market and automate as much as possible inside that product. So, so it, it has changed a bit. I don't know if you answered your question, but it has changed a bit yeah. because uh, uh, in a way, uh, Chobatical recruiting was much more borderless uh, in that sense, True, true, true. operations-wise. And have you seen that? I mean, the, your initial answer being the, let's call them the repeat rate customers where I moved to Malaysia and now I'm going to move to Japan. So it's much easier for you to uh, give me that service. I know it's really early stages of traction, but still, have you seen that repeat rate so far? Uh, I mean, we did see a lot of it in the recruiting uh, time. So we we had we have relocated people who uh, went to work in one country and then uh, changed the country. So we have uh, seen that with the global mobility service. We right now I don't can't remember. Depends. I don't know exactly, but uh, I can't remember mm-hmm. that we have had we have had people definitely changing companies within the country. That's again that you have to renew your uh, immigration. If you, if you do that, you something has to be applied. Basically, your employer was one company and then it will be another company. So there's much less work to do, but basically we still need to renew it. And this has happened uh, very many times. But I can't recall a case right now where we actually already did the full. Uh, so it's more of, uh, of an early stage in that sense. But I think mm-hmm. I'm quite sure we will be seeing that uh, quite uh, soon. And I mean, I get that people are moving away from the US and I can understand the reasons, but what destinations are the most popular? I mean, um, and which continent are the most bullish on as well? I mean, that goes hand in hand. My guess is Europe. Yeah, Europe. Yeah. So right now, exactly. So we're focused on uh, European countries right now. We're expanding. So right now, as I said, Germany, Spain, uh, we're finalizing with Czech Republic. Also, we will next will be France, uh, also the Nordics. Uh, so basically, we're focused on Europe. And there are two countries in Asia where we're also, uh, uh, and again, uh, one of them is the government discussions that is really interesting and in the final stages is basically we are... Uh-huh, uh, so uh, the government is in Asia. Uh, there's a, there are two governments. There's Asia and Europe. There Today I had European meeting, but in Asia we have a similar situation. So basically I believe that pretty soon we will have two integrations with two governments, which will be awesome. Uh, because it will just improve the user experience for the companies and for, for the talent uh, so much more. But uh, Malaysia and Singapore are the countries that we are uh, also, um, we are going to expand now uh, in terms of operations. Uh, right now, we don't yet have on the ground operations in Malaysia, but we will be having. Uh, so that's in our, so we are opening right now three countries per quarter. Um, so that's basically <laughs> what we are doing. That's, so that's pretty, uh, yeah. it's very exciting. It's really, really exciting. Yeah, it's really fast growth and also regional expansion. Um, and having these integrations with governments um, adds a lot to your defensibility too um, and sets an entry barrier for new entrants because it should be tough to deal with the government. Um, who are some of your competitors in the space and what's the main entry barrier for a new company once they're entering the market? So in terms of the competitors, it is an interesting space because there, what have been done, there are some software companies who have in US who have created software for immigration in US. We're quite unique in terms of combining two. There's a software element and there's actually a platform, uh, basically operations behind it so we can actually service immigration and global mobility. Uh, but we definitely, I mean, there are global players who are, um, so to say, the the big, uh, uh, the large relocation global uh, companies who work on a very 
they don't have the tech element, but they are just globally providing a service. So we have mm-hmm. uh, some of them who are very strong, but in terms of uh, combining tech and the people together, we are pretty unique. And that was, I think, one of the things that we started to realize that, I mean, even in some countries, I mean, I'm interviewing people uh, in immigration space for our operation expansions, and you you know, you see how their eyes are just lighting up if they, when they hear that we're building, or we have built software for them, or they can actually use a software, that there are countries where even Deloitte is using spreadsheets. Uh, so so basically, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an area that is quite outdated in terms of how it is managed and what technology it uses mm-hmm. to manage it. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons we have to also move fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see that the talent arbitrage opportunity is amazing. Um, there's also the remote work that's spreading, um, it's getting bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. And all of this is definitely helping your success. Um, but what do you think is the total market size for Jabatical today? And how will this change over the next decade, let's say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that sense, uh, I'm not, honestly, this is something that uh, having had so many investor discussions and debates around that uh, market size, like if I would give you a number, that number doesn't say anything, honestly. So there's not an easy way to identify uh, the market size of global mobility. The one thing that is for sure is that if you look at the numbers of talent relocation or people relocating, then the highest growth has been among highly skilled people in the previous 10 years. By 2030, basically, talent shortage will cost uh, globally countries and companies $8.5 trillion. My board member and uh, our par- partner uh, from Union Square Ventures, our investor, said, well, that this is your market size. <laughs> so basically, basically, that's the closest thing I can give you. But uh, there's a huge issue because the countries are fighting for the same talent because mm-hmm. there's a shortage of talent. Just alone, if you think about, uh, let's say I was talking about 2030, by 2030, Japan alone will have a shortage of 18 million people. So this is the competition that each country and each, each company in those countries is in, and those people will be moving between different countries. So now the question is where they will move. Uh, so this is a growing industry, and um, there's no easy answer. The only answer is that this market is growing fast. Yeah. I like your board members approach. I mean, rather than like a bottoms up approach where you count number of companies, job openings, blah, 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 a top down approach, seeing the global, um, let's go the workforce crisis that's going to happen. And then going from there, how much of that you can actually solve and what, mm. what percent of that value that you've just created, can you catch, capture back to the company gives a much better sense of the total market size. Um, and you said yeah. you raised money from Union Square Ventures. I mean, initially until 2017, you raised around, I guess, $4 million with the participation mm-hmm. of Union Square Ventures. And, but you are yeah. based in Europe and you're a truly European company. So how tough was the process to raise um, as a European startup from uh, USV? Well, that actually happened the other way around. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that shit. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a funny story. We have been laughing about that quite a bit because they actually found us on Twitter. Um, so it was them approaching us. And uh, oh, that's the best case scenario, right? Yeah, yeah the funny story is that uh, I, I accidentally ignored their Twitter message uh, for two weeks. <laughs> Good job. So, so, so uh, and after that it went really fast uh, it was we, we I mean uh, they are great they are just I'm so lucky to have them on board um, I mean we have in total raised 10 million over 10 million dollars now um, mm-hmm. and USV has been they are I think what I've learned uh, definitely now thinking back is that somehow I got lucky 
But if I would have to mentor a startup owner, and I have done that, is, is you really have to choose your investors because they make such a difference. Having like Unisquare Ventures on board and having them as my sounding board, uh, the same way with Atsushi, uh, who's our um, mm-hmm. from Mistletoe, who was previously uh, SoftBank, uh, directly working with Masasan, the uh, SoftBank CEO. Like uh, having Atsushi on board is just like you have those brains and that experience that can help you, and that's the I think the core. Uh, there's capital, but there's also so many mistakes you can avoid if you have the right people who can help mm-hmm. you to avoid those mistakes. Do these investors usually invest into Estonia? I mean, is, isn't it tough to get into their radar? And like, what did you do well that helped you to get in their radar? That's a good question. I think you should ask them. <laughs> I will, I will. I, yeah, I will but, send them but, a Twitter but message. Mean, but I do think that it's changing. Like, I mean, the fact that I think today um, Atomic Gaino has done a lot of research around that, like how many, uh, how much funding basically goes outside Silicon Valley, how the trend has been in terms of growth. Like you, you see more and more that companies can be located really anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, the only thing that becomes important is the user experience of a country again. Like if you are in Greece, I'm, yeah. unfortunately, it's just very hard to build a company. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 uh, <laughs> Why do you hate Greece? I, I just, I, like literally, they have the most ridiculous immigration system I have ever heard about. I hope they will get to census and understand that that's, that's not going to help their um, economy very much. But... Uh, but yeah, so I, I do believe that we are getting to the era where you can build a company from anywhere. And I, I do see also from the you know investor discussions, of, uh, investors are much more comfortable in um, uh, investing into companies outside Silicon Valley or New York or London. Because to be honest, like today, London, look at London, right? What's going on there, right? So to be honest, I don't think it has been very hard. If you ask me, has it been hard? Like for USV, they even invested into an Estonian company. So not only we were located, in Estonia, we didn't even create a US entity for that. So, um, so I, I think this is changing and I, I really want to help to change that. That's one of, I'm quite, mm-hmm. I was quite stubborn. I wanted to stay in Estonia. I wanted to show that this is possible and it was possible. So I hope it will. And you have, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the trend is definitely there by the way. I mean, um, Bay Area VCs used to invest into the Bay Area alone because this is a proximity-based business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but given the competition in the local market, and I was just looking at the data the other day, um, in 2008, out of all the deals in Europe, um, only 8% of them had a US fund mm-hmm. to invest. Cool. 2018, so 10 mm-hmm. years down the road, that number grew from 8% to 22%. Exactly. Exactly. So this is uh, so very good to hear. Yeah. yeah, very good to hear. So 8%, it was 2008, you said it was 8%. Yeah, now it's 22% okay. with US fund participation. Mm-hmm. So what I like to call is it's talent meets funding more and more. Mm-hmm. And also that funding meets talent more and more. So there's more liquidity in the talent and funding spectrum globally, which is great, of course. Yeah. Um, exactly and now it comes the same thing uh, now if you are located wherever you are located you need to hire fast and if you're the whole immigration government process doesn't enable that then why are you there yeah. like it's literally uh, killing your competition right definitely. or killing you in the competition not your competition yeah yeah, yeah definitely um, and I saw that the, the round that you did in 2019 had one-way ventures um, our friends Samuel and Evelyn who invest into immigrant entrepreneurs who have relocated to the US I guess their mission really coincides with your mission um, as a company which is perfect very much oh I love Samuel he's very sharp yeah he's amazing the 20 uh, the the 21 uh, uh, guy right yeah (laughs) 
know, he's he's into that. Like when you search him online, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all you get. Yeah, that's all you get too. Yeah, but I like if you. I mean, I remember when I had the first conversations with him. Like his brain works like that. So I'm. I I, I like uh, investors who can challenge uh, challenge me and how, who can, because that actually pushes you forward. I, so really happy to have them on board. For sure, for sure. And when I search your name online, I see that you're really passionate about future of work and then building borderless world. Mm-hmm. Um, when did those passions come about? I mean, what's the main source of those two passions? Even though the idea of Chabadical came much later, like mm-hmm. I said, when I was in Singularity University. and I, But I, I, to be honest, I think the first um, connection to the borderless or, or basically taking down borders, uh, when I was 17, um, it was a year after I... Uh, had invented the reflector, which was actually my, became my first business. Uh, I, I actually was an exchange student in America. It was my dream, and I, I I found a way to get scholarship to fulfill that dream. And so I spent a year. I was I did the senior year in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and uh, so I went alone to you know the other side of the planet. And that's when I remember. I it was like I have this vivid memory of sitting in a cafe, which was my favorite uh, cafe, breaking new grounds. Uh, in Portsmouth, and I was sipping my um, uh, hot chocolate with marshmallows. Probably that's where I got my extra ten kilos after returning. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I was sitting and uh, drinking my uh, hot chocolate, and I was thinking about the experience that I had within the six months that I had been there. And I was thinking that one big thing that changed is that the way, just like you think that things work in one way, and then you go to another country, you understand that you know, your thinking was in a box, like things can work completely different way and people might have completely different understandings. So back then, that's when I thought that uh, first time, if if people, if more people could uh, live in other countries, then we would have a much better world. Mm -hmm. So that was the 17 year old me. (laughs) And I, I, and this is, I think that very much the basis of what we believe in. and then there's actually scientific proof that the more people move, the more creative they are. So it actually helps with innovation. But I think this passion started from from that 17-year-old me that just uh, had an amazing experience of discovering a world that is completely different from, from home. And just this changed me as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely started from there. And it, I mean, the future of work, it's like... <laughs> If thinking about what is work today, like I, I think as an entrepreneur, I have been an entrepreneur for a long time. And, uh, and for me, having boxes like nine to five, like you sit in, uh, near the desk, the, the things that we have made up in a way, like we have made up some rules about what is work today. You can, you know, you take your uh, iPhone and it's work. You open your Slack, it's work. You open your email, it's work. Basically, there there should be a lot of, and there is a lot of innovation that is done in terms of adapting the old work into the way people actually uh, work today. I think what I'm passionate about in the sense of future of work is, is how we can rethink those models because we need to rethink. You know, you can't say to your employee that uh, the work is nine to five and you have to be in the office and then have a smartphone uh, with them 
and as answer emails, right? You, if you don't give you that flexibility, you shouldn't expect uh, the other way around. Do you understand what I mean? I'm yeah, yeah. going circles a little bit. Uh, but, but basically, like, we have to adapt to the way people actually live, which means that, you know, if my engineer wants to be in New Zealand for the half year, let him be in the New Zealand and work from there. Why should I stop, stop him? So, um, so I think I'm really interested into seeing how the things that we or people have made up previously can be reconsidered and made up in a new way. Yeah. Because um, like Harari says that everything, we have imagined everything, even the countries and the money and everything we have just imagined. They don't exist. We have just agreed. Those are the things that exist, but we can also always rethink them. And I think I'm, I'm very curious about rethinking work. Definitely, definitely. I mean, um, I love everything that brings extra democratization um, and liberty for the people and removing borders mm -hmm. um, and evolving how we work today are definitely big two pillars of it. Um, so it's great to see how you built a really mission-driven company um, out of Estonia that serves currently globally. Well, um, thanks for joining the podcast. Hopefully we'll touch base um, in a year or so when I come to Estonia and you'll be again grown by like 10x. Okay, let's talk again. Thank you. Carly's passion and excitement were obvious from her voice. She's building a mission-driven company with a strong culture and a great future ahead. She's one of those people that I would like to work for in order to create a more fluent talent movement across the globe. In the coming episode, we'll have another Estonian, Ragnar, with us. He is the founder of the Unicorn Pipe Drive. He is also very passionate about fielding innovative ecosystems and has created multiple organizations that bolster talent and push for entrepreneurship. Very inspiring and energizing. Here's a snapshot of all the activities we do here at Glocal. Apart from publishing a new podcast episode every Monday, we also publish video summaries on Saturdays. These short 5-10 to 10 minute videos are published across all of our social media channels. I also write brief weekly articles with core insights from every episode. Lastly, we do Tuesday tips, where we gather advice from very influential people and share it on our social media. To get all that into your email inbox every week, please go to our website, theglocal.co, and subscribe to our email newsletter. We are very active on social media, so I beg you to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Ciao!